Welcome to Blackbird episode number 24. My name is James, and today I am joined by Adam the Agorist Alamano. Adam is one half of the great Deborah Gets Red Pilled podcast. If you're interested in agorism and conspiracy theories and just really great conversations featuring a son-in-law and his formerly blue-pilled mother-in-law, then I highly recommend checking out Deborah Gets Red Pilled. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Before we get started, let me remind you that Juliet Nail, a friend of the show, is ready to welcome you back into your body at BU Enterprises. Head to buenterprises.com today to set up a consultation. She teaches yoga and Pilates classes, but beyond that, takes kind of a holistic approach to personal wellness. So to take your wellness back into your control, head over to buenterprises.com. And with that, here is my interview with Adam the Agorist Alamano. Adam, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate yeah, it. For sure. So uh, this is your first time on the show. I discovered you from Monica Perez, who was a previous guest. So why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce yourself, tell the audience more about you and your podcast. Yeah. So um, my name is Adam. I live in a little town little working class suburb of Portland, Oregon called Milwaukee. And um, I am a union elevator constructor. Um, I'm an anarchist. I'm an agorist. And I think a lot of people would also describe me as kind of an unhinged conspiracy theorist. I have a podcast called Deborah Gets Red Pilled, where I uh, my co-host is my mother-in-law, who is, you know, your typical... Northern California, Bay Area, lifelong liberal, kind of like limousine liberal. She's from a really wealthy uh, area, statist. And I uh, brought her on the show and just started exposing her to a bunch of crazy uh, conspiracy stuff. Anything from 9-11 to Flat Earth to the problems with democracy, Tartaria, everything. And, uh, you know... We were like 36 episodes in and she's she's coming around. She's admitted that democracy isn't valid. She's a 9-11 truther now. So it's kind of working. She got a vaccine though. So that it was hard not to take that one personally. What is, what is Tartaria? That's the one that you mentioned that I hadn't heard of. Tartaria, it was like a empire kind of synonymous with the Mongol empire. There were people from the Caucasus Mountains and it's contest like... People think that they had gone all throughout the whole world and created civilizations and even here in North America up until like the mid 1800s. And then a giant cataclysmic event that people call the mud flood happened, killed everybody off, whether it was natural or some created by some other force, nobody knows. And so a lot of people think that these big, huge, extravagant structures that were already like in the Western United States think that they were already there when settlers arrived here and people reclaimed them and said that they built them instead of that, you know, in San Francisco, they built this massive courthouse 
1850 <laughs> when there was 15,000 people in San Francisco. So how did you get your uh, progressive or liberal super blue pill, I would assume, mother-in-law to sit down with you? Like, what was the, what was the conversation leading up to that like? You know, when I kind of woke up, kind of, I haven't been at this for a real long time either. I kind of woke up around 2015, like probably the same way a lot of people in our world did. I heard, I heard Dave Smith on Joe Rogan and um, he made the most sense to me of anybody I'd heard. So around that time, you know, I came from the world of like being like a a Bernie supporter. And um, after that, I just started seeing all the inconsistencies and corruption within the election system and government in general. And I just, uh, you know, at this point in time, it's e- it was easier to rail against the left than the right, even though it's pretty easy to rail against both of them. Um, but so, I don't have any- uh, real quick, was this like Dave Smith's most recent appearance on Rogan, like in November? Or? No, it was probably like 2015. Oh, okay. Okay. Man, I was about to say, man, you like went down yeah. that hole super fast. Holy crap. So I'm not, I'm like, I'm not as big into conspiracies. I like to know about them. And believe me, there are far worse things to believe than like the wrong history of something or whatever. And of course, I'm, I'm not completely incredulous either. I think the best thing about your podcast, though, is just that she's willing to go through with it. Like I said, I, I, my first exposure to it was Monica Perez's appearance where she was talking about the Boston bombing. But uh, you guys have really gone, gone deep into some, like even more esoteric stuff. Like uh, I was just this morning listening to the, I keep forgetting, is it astrotheology or theoastrology? Yeah, astrotheology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, basically he's just making all the connections between the, the Bible stories and ancient astrology. How do you how do you pick your guests, and do you like try to strike a balance between the the more esoteric woo woo stuff and the more down to earth political stuff, or is it just kind of whatever comes up? It's just like you know, it's, at this point we're not that big, so it's hard to hard to land guests. So the easiest thing for me to do is just reaching out to people with big egos that want to, want their voices to be heard, and that's other podcasters. So that's what I've been uh, kind of focusing on. I've gotten a few authors and stuff on, but those people are like much harder to get in contact with. I I try to to get like a Liberty Freedom guest, probably like one out of every four or five episodes. And it's, it's, uh, it's going well. I got legal, legal man came on and he really, really fucked her up. So um, he's, yeah, he's the one that, that convinced her that democracy isn't, isn't valid, but yeah. And then the, at the same time, it's like um, the cool thing about doing a conspiracy is you get to talk to all these people that you've looked up to for a long time. So um, I kind of use it for personal reasons that way as well. Like I pick people that I want to talk to. So, so I'm, I'm assuming that your wife is also from the Bay area. Yeah. Marin County. How, right oh, across the uh, that, okay, right across the Golden Gate Bridge from that's San really Shishi then yeah it's uh, like that's like where the, that's like where Tyler Florence is he's like a celebrity chef and has a fancy restaurant and vineyards and all that stuff up there so yeah okay that gives me an image of who we're dealing with although you know obviously you can't generalize but so what about your wife is she on board with all this or is it more just like you and you and her mom going down rabbit holes together my wife was probably you know along the same lines like pretty apolitical you know, grew up in Northern California. So kind of the same views as her, as her mom had. And, uh, I took her to see a Jimmy Dore live performance 
in Northeast Portland. And like, she's like, what are we, she didn't, she had no idea what we were going to see. She thought we were going to a, um, there she is right there. Um, <laughs> she thought we were going to just like a normal comedy show, which we kind of were, but then it was like total, like left wing comedy. But she's like, she left there and she's like, so wait, those people are all Democrats, but they hate Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. <laughs> and her mind was blown. And, um, you know, I think she's just around me a lot. And I think it's easier for her to put up with me if she just kind of goes along with what, what I think. But um, as far as like getting on board with freedom and anarchy, we, uh, we joined Freedom Cells last summer after hearing John Bush on Pete Quinones's podcast. And, um, you know, she's made some really good friends from that and been exposed to um, agorism and just solution-based stuff from that. So that's kind of what we're concentrating on together. And then, but she likes to hear conspiracy stuff too. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. Even if, you know, are, so are there any that you don't, that you like categorically don't buy? There's some that I don't like. Um, I don't like Shamatria, which is like numerology. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's that's one that I I got into from the movie Pi when I was in high school. I don't know if you've seen it. It came out in like '99 or anything. I remember or seeing it. I don't know if I've ever actually watched it. Though. I got I got books on it and told my algebra teacher about it, and she was like, "Oh, don't get into that. That's a that's that's devil yeah. uh, Catholic school." So you know, yeah. And <laughs> so that that made me that made me want to you know know about it even more. Uh, yeah. So I started just googling all about Gematria. So okay, cool. So that's one that you're not super I, into. I don't discount it i don't discount anything um i'm kind of trying to be like the uh art bell of the modern era i want to listen to everybody talk but i don't i feel like a lot of the time it's people making connections and kind of reaching for stuff like you know being like oh the number 11 one plus one is two two equals the letter q in the alphabet q is 43 like i and like people go on on shows and just like talk like that and i don't know yeah i think my parents have always kind of been into that too not not formally but uh they find connections and numbers and stuff a whole lot so you, you mentioned freedom cells earlier we're trying to build something here in the twin cities and it's uh basically we've met once and it was at a bar and so far it's just a big telegram chat do you have advice for building a more sort of uh substantial presence in the freedom cells movement Let's see. So when I, when I joined, you know, I heard that podcast about walking the dogs. I went home and signed up for it and got messaged by uh, somebody that day and said, Hey, we're meeting in the park. You want to come? And I was like, Oh, this is kind of uncomfortable and weird, but I'll go get a shot. I went to the park. There's six people sitting on a blanket and uh, we had a meetup last night and there was like 60 people there. Oh. We have a telegram chat. There's over 85 people in it or no, I think over a hundred now. And to be in the Telegram chat, you have to have attended one of the meetups. So there's been a hundred different, at least a hundred different people at our meetups. I don't know how ours kind of just grew organically. And um, it came, I maybe don't rely solely on, on the Freedom Cells network to try to recruit people if that's what you're trying to do. Um, ours started from the actual meetup app, Freedom Cells. And believe it or not, um, Nextdoor. Are you familiar with that app? Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking awful. Most, it was a lot of like older women who just yeah. like complained about having to wear a mask that were coming to these meetups from Nextdoor. 
few of them stuck around, but as soon as we started talking about like solutions and getting into action and like anarchy and like having to do things for yourself, most of them faded away. But I think there's a few that are still around. So, well, yeah, that's that's my one biggest concern. I, well, and actually, we're starting with Telegram and scheduling our meetups within that chat, which is super disorganized. So maybe I'll actually look into Meetup or something similar. I know Meetup yeah. charges. So how is um how's the climate where you're you're living in the Twin Cities? So that yeah, must it's... have been been wild last summer, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually down in Dallas the weekend that all that popped off. Yeah. Uh, so we were watching it on like Facebook live streams and stuff, which is you know it's fortunate because if we were here, we would have just been hearing it. But we were actually getting like a front and because my uh, my partner has a lot of like trans and queer friends. And so they're all activists. Like his, his best friend was one of the people pouring milk in, in people's eyes to, to get rid of the tear gas or pepper spray or whatever it was. So, uh, you know, we had like a front row seat watching the police station getting stormed and then burned down and all that stuff. And actually I, I was just there like at the, at the gym across the street from that cop shop. Uh, it's still yeah. burned. It's still burned out. They're not using it. Bummer. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, <laughs> to me, like, you know, it's whatever, but I also don't live in that neighborhood. My partner's parents do. And, you know, they, they're terrified. Like they're really scared of not being able to call the police if, you know, something happens. Of, of course, they're, they're also the kind of people who would call the police if someone's, you know, doing a weed deal on their corner. But so it's definitely, it's definitely kind of a bittersweet thing for me. I'd love to see some sort of private security force. And they were really talking about it. The, uh, the activists were talking about buying an ambulance to just completely di- disentangle themselves from the 911 system. Um, yeah. They're doing community policing or community, like community security, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the problem with that is uh, like, depends on what kind of activists these people that become the private security are. Yeah. And they're not, they're yeah. not going to come help me. So I know. it's a, it's nuts. Um, All changes when you get money involved though. So that's the good part. So you are, you're like, doing all kinds of like urban farming on a relatively small lot. And that is something like I'm thinking here, I'm going to have to go move out to the country and buy three acres. If I'm going to be able to, you know, feed myself. If I, if I, if I really wanted to get some sort of like self-reliant presence in the world, I'm going to have to do like the Jack Spearco route. Yeah. But you're, you're disproving that. Had you ever raised chickens or whatever before you started all this stuff? I've lived in, before I moved to Oregon in summer 2018, I lived in one bedroom and studio apartments in Oakland and San Francisco for the last 15 years. So no, I hadn't done anything. I had a basil plant that I bought at Trader Joe's that I'd use every once in a while, but that was it. And, uh, you know, we have for what we're used to from where we came from, we have a decent sized backyard, but it's, we live like in the suburbs, you know, we have, uh, a, I think it's about an eighth of an acre is what it translates to. And, um, we have seven egg laying hens and, um, we had, we've had those since last uh, April. So almost a year now and we're getting, you know, 150 eggs a month out of them. And that's a lot of eggs. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is I eat a ton. Uh, luckily I like eggs and then we have yeah. people that we, you know, we sell eggs for eight, eight bucks a dozen when we get too many and, um, they're good eggs. They're awesome. They're all different colors. They're blue. There's ones that are like OD green and brown. And it's cool. We can tell which chicken lays each egg, but it's, you know, I watch a lot of, uh, YouTube, even though it's 
pretty bad for free speech, but it's good for like figuring out how to do like farming and homesteading yeah. stuff. So if you, uh, you know, I, I was going down all these chicken rabbit holes and, uh, it's funny if you go down deep enough into chicken stuff on YouTube, you always end up on these weird Filipino sites. But um, all right, I eventually uh, got to the place where, like, I started watching um, people processing meat birds. I think the first thing I saw, I saw like Joel, like a Joel Salatin seminar. I saw him kill a kill a chicken on kill a chicken, have a have a live chicken, dispatch it, and have it processed in like three minutes. And I was like, I could probably do that. And Were they doing it by hand or with a machine? The actual killing? No, the plucking. They had a plucker. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I was like, I, you know, the government definitely doesn't want me to do that in the backyard. And I could physically do that. So, I'm going to do it. And uh, we ordered um, 12 Cornish Cross chickens. Got them delivered to the post office. Went and picked them up. And... Um, you know, raised them for two, they get to market weight in two months. And then, uh, then yeah, I took care of everything in the backyard and it worked. They're huge. Are you, uh, are you breeding them too, or just, or just, uh, going to buy more? Um, we, we bought, I've already ordered more. Um, what I learned from last time is I'm not going to do it in uh cold weather months. I don't want, they smell really bad. So, and you have to brood them indoors if it's like cold outside. So I had them in like our mudroom and it kind of stunk up the house. They make a huge mess. So I'm only going to do it when there's no more like freezing temperatures anymore. And I can have them out in the chicken coop with a heat lamp all the time. And then I want to be able this time around, I want to be able to graze them on our lawn. So, um, yeah, we ordered 12 last time. They sent 13, three of them died real early. And then, uh, we took we took care of ten and and they made it all the way two months. We probably could have gone a week less because they were they were huge. One of them was nine pounds. Jesus, it's and like a turkey. Uh, yeah, it's like a small turkey. And um, I tried to do like a beer can chicken, and even like on a tall can, it couldn't it wouldn't stand up. And so I decided to like lay it flat like a turkey. But um, I just ordered sixteen more. I ordered uh, ten. Cornish cross hens, and then I ordered these other kind called Freedom Rangers, which actually take a, a month longer to get to market weight. So I'm going to feed them less and, um, you know, try to kind of get it perfected. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. It's it's a long day of, um, it was my wife, me, and another friend, and another, none of us had ever done it before. So we rented a, we rented a plucker, like an electric plucker, and it worked pretty well. They were pretty big though, so every it kind of bogged down the machine, and so we kind of like had to figure out how to kind of pluck them by hand as much as we could real fast first, and then put them in there, and it 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 did it did okay. So, what do you do with like the blood and guts? I poured it in the compost pile. Oh, nice, good. Yeah. Uh, so, what like was it was it tough? Like, is it is it tough to kill an animal the first time or? The first one was kind of hard. And, um, it's kind of disturbing how easy the 10th one was. I can so, imagine. Oh my yeah. God. So yeah. Like the first one, you're all like kind of hesitant. And by the, by the last one, you're just like, all right, this is it. You know, what about like veggies? Are you, are you gardening too? Yeah. Um, we have, that's harder than raising chickens. Gardening's way harder just to get, get, get it down, how to do it. 
I built, uh, my backyard was kind of like an overgrown mess when I moved in. So the first summer and fall and spring were, were putting, we're like getting it cleaned up and cutting down a ton of trees and laurel, giant laurel bushes, building a new fence. And um, I kind of like landscaped it and I built a bunch of really big raised beds. So last summer we had a huge amount of stuff um, like a whole bunch of different kinds of lettuce, cucumbers, peas, tomatoes, onions, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, for like June, July, August, it was really good. And then it all, like we had too much for that time and then it all kind of went away at at once. So we got to, this year, we're going to kind of try to figure out how to stagger everything. Um, I've built a greenhouse, but I just didn't get around to covering it last year. So I got like the frame built. I just, and I have the plastic in the backyard. I got to cover it and work on keeping stuff going in the winter and maybe canning some stuff that we're not going to be able to eat because we had so much. So that's, that's the goal this year to try to be more sufficient for the whole year. But during the, during the summer, we definitely were eating like giant salads like three times a day. So. Yeah. I just, I just canned uh, salsa, but the very first thing I ever canned, I, I made salsa. So. Did you uh, use like a water bath canner for it? I, yeah, and I used citric acid to to raise the pH or lower the pH. What make make it more acidic in the I mean, actual salsa? Yeah, okay. you just uh, you, it's just like a powdered um, thing, and you use a pH. Yeah, yeah, test strip, and that helps to preserve it. Yeah, it makes it so that it doesn't grow uh, botulism and whatever other nasties tend to grow in tomato yeah. stuff. Yeah, I haven't done. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I made pickles and sauerkraut. Oh yeah, we had cabbage. Cabbage was awesome. But I kept, I replanted more after we picked it, and then my little pit bull ate them all. So yeah, all the canning we did, none of it was like pressure, pressure sealed or anything. We just kind of did the, the kind where you get it to, to seal in the refrigerator. But I have a water bath canner, and I want to do that just so stuff's more shelf stable. Yeah, I, it's that's my next big project is uh, learning more and more about canning. Um, I'm already growing vegetables, which is which is neat. That's new to me. I don't have much of a yard, um, and we're renting. But my landlady is going to give me a, a little plot once you know the ground thaws. It's we're, we're still frozen up here, but not yeah. for much longer. Actually, I think it's supposed to get into the 60s this week. Um, nice. Yeah. So she built me a little, not like a full raised bed, but you know, just a just a little you know, in ground bed to, to plant my vegetables. Our next door neighbor is real big into gardening too. So, uh, and she owns both houses, which is, which is nice. Yeah. So what are you doing? Um, like, what are you doing with the excess? Are you selling stuff? Or are you just going to be preserving it forever or until it's, until it's time to eat? The excess vegetables? Yeah. You know, excess vegetables, if you have extra chickens or whatever, are they just going in the freezer or are you going to try to monetize this stuff, kind of build a little gray market food business? Like right now, it's hard. Like making money off of chickens, meat birds is hard because I'm I'm not really sure what people sell a like a pasture raised chicken for like a farmer's market, but it's expensive. I think it's like five pounds, five bucks a pound. Mm-hmm. So like, and then that that would be profitable. But if you're like trying to sell it for what what I mean, I think you can get like a nice chicken up at Whole Foods or some, you know, nicer grocery store for like 12 bucks probably. So you really got to have people that are like willing. I mean, I probably wouldn't spend $25 on a chicken if, you know, there was one for sale. 
So yeah. it's hard to uh, it's hard to make money on the extra chickens. The eggs are just kind of like you know spending money, and the meat birds. I have two chest freezers in the garage, so I kind of want to get just enough in the warm weather months. I'll probably do sixteen in. Um, at the start of June, I'll be able to process those and then maybe do another run that I uh, take care of in the fall and um, have enough to get like through the year until the next time I do it. So that's kind of the goal there. I mean, eventually the goal is to get the hell out of town, get five farmable acres in some place that's not here. And, uh, you know, it'd be really cool if I could uh, transform all the stuff that I have now into some land that I could farm and uh, that'd be my dream to be a chicken farmer. So that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. But you're in your freedom. cell. you guys also are doing like actual Agora stuff, right? Like you're bartering and, and selling and stuff, right? Yeah. So we have meetups every other week and that's the problem. It's like a lot of people talking about what they're going to do and like not a lot of uh, action really getting done. So I decided, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I decided, yeah, just look at like, there's people that are in the Telegram that like are in there at 5 a.m. and still writing it at 11 o'clock, you know? So um, I uh, decided maybe on the once a month or something like that, we could have a potluck at my house just to get people together. And and then I was like, wait, instead of a potluck, why don't we do like a, an Agora, like an underground farmer's market? And so we had one around Christmas time and it kind of just was like a like a Christmas gala. Like we made a uh, beef jerky, smoked salmon. My wife makes like candles and like people, yeah, I was just like, come over with a table and um, let's see, see what happens. Don't bring, don't make it, don't bring your old shit. I don't want it to be a garage sale. <laughs> bring like stuff that you've made, you know, and uh, people brought all sorts of stuff. And uh, more than that, it was just getting people together in somebody's house when it's like not allowed by our f- fucking governor. Um, and uh, just doing it, defying, defying mandates and, uh, you know, people just meeting and having a good time. So we've had two of those. The second one, there's like 30 people. The downstairs of my house is like a thousand square feet. So it was a lot. Oh, nice. So I think we've found some alternate spaces and we're going to move it to there and uh, try to keep doing them. And just getting, uh, like a lot of people don't, haven't had much experience with crypto and then a lot of people that have crypto have never used it for something, you know, just have to, just sat on it. So, um, you know, people are operating with crypto, cash, and there's a community credit system too. I don't take part in it, but um, it's kind of like an old school ledger blockchain where everybody starts at zero. Like you have something that you want to sell for one credit. I take it from you. I go negative one, you go plus one, you report it to the guy that holds the ledger and everything always should equal zero when everything's added back together. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my issue with it is that it's the value of stuff is based on the dollar. So like, it's just going to be subject to the same, uh, inflation, but, um, yeah, people are doing that and, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a guy who manages a, uh, apartment complex here in another little suburb outside of town. And, um, at one point in like 2010, he had like a whole like Samuel Conkin style, like, uh, had like the whole place was like 50% and cap people. And, um, they did markets and, and 
did the whole thing with, with that community credit. So Man, that's another that. uh, option, you know, bartering and all that. So uh, um, I'm just trying to get people in, in the space where like we might actually have to do this for real someday if we don't want to get, you know, experimental gene therapy shot into our bodies. So, so are most of your meetups at parks or at homes or public places? Um, or what's the deal there? So we, uh, the weather here sucks. I mean, it's not as cold as where you are, but it's, you know, it rains nonstop. So at the end of the summer, we had to stop uh, having them at parks just because it wasn't feasible because of the weather. So one of the guys that uh, started coming, he's a massage therapist and he operates at this kind of woo-woo place in uh, Southeast Portland that has like different, you know, holistic healing type people at it. And they had a big room and he let us use it. Everybody donated a couple bucks. And um, so some people, we were there for a long time. It was really great. And then some people had their kids there and you were supposed to like, when you left the room, you're supposed to put a mask on to go to the bathroom, even if it was like, even though it was like five feet away. And uh, some people's kids were like messing around in the kitchen. (laughs) And one of the people that works there that uh, has different views than we do on this pandemic came in and saw a bunch of unmasked little kids and freaked out. So we can't do it there anymore, but there's people that are, are showing up. Like some people came to the meetup last night and like, we own a furniture store. We're not selling shit, but we have this space and we would, you know, you guys are allowed to use it. So, and uh, so yeah, just stuff kind of keeps magically appearing when we need it most. That's really cool. We had a, we used to have this warehouse space. This was back in the Ron Paul days um, that, uh, I didn't know it, but it was owned by this nightclub owner. I thought that the I thought that our like local agorist organizer owned it, but he just kind of occupied it. Um, it was owned by this nightclub owner who, a few years ago, it turned out like had donated to David Duke's campaign, so he got canceled. Yeah, um, so he doesn't. We don't have that warehouse space anymore. But the uh, we we do have an acupuncturist, similar situation. She wants to let us use her clinic, and then we got a yoga instructor and. I don't know if he's going to join us or not, but the we have a chiropractor in the area who's super anti-mask and like he he put up film on the windows of his clinic so that you couldn't see in to see like his receptionist sitting there with no mask on and stuff. That's how, yeah. that's how like dedicated he is to this. So we've got, we've got potential indoor spaces, but our parks are great here too. It's just that uh, I'm scared of, you know, Karen walking past seeing all these people, you know, potentially with tables up doing you know market activities and stuff yeah so oh yeah to have an actual market at the park yeah there's definitely considerations to to take um yeah but I'm just, if I'm just, someone if someone called the police on you in a park there would they come i don't know probably i mean yeah well maybe not i don't really what know if you did it in the hood yeah you know that's that's possible i live in the hood so it yeah we you know i mean the cops are here but they're not they're not messing with people really yeah which is, yeah, I, I lived in East Oakland for forever. And, you know, if you look like I do there and you weren't murdering somebody, I could do anything I want, you yeah. know, until, until about 2014 where it got super duper gentrified and then it was all different. <laughs> so, Oh God, I had, a, I had a great question for you and I don't remember what it was. Um, let's, I'll try to think of it, but let's skip into your, into your, how are you so productive? Cause like you've got a podcast and um, you've got a, urban farm basically and you've got a job and you are doing constant research and also 
I know you watch television for entertainment because you've talked about watching TV on on your podcast. When do you sleep? What what what's your what's your like day to day life look like? Um, Monday through Thursday, I work ten hours a day. I get up at five o'clock, get to work by six thirty, finish at four thirty, come home, hang out, you know, eat some dinner, chill on the couch, and uh, yeah, I don't get I don't do oh I do I do jujitsu too so. Um, yeah. <laughs> if also I can hobbies. get, yeah, if I can, I'll get to a jujitsu class at, uh, at a secret location that never closed down in Portland, Oregon, but it's cool. Cause I work four ten, So I have three day weekends every week. So I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week. And, um, I don't drink. I've been sober for a real long time. And so I'm never hung over and, uh, my wife kind of sleeps in and I just, I'd rather I'm the kind of person that just needs to keep going to keep my like crazy mind at bay. So like if I'm doing something, the, the demons don't creep in quite as much. So, um, yeah. And, uh, there's all, you know, it's cool. Like I hated doing yard work when I didn't own a house, but you know, once that property is sort of yours, it's really the banks and the States, but, um, you know, I, uh, I really, I, I was resigned to the fact that I was never, ever going to get to own a house when I lived in the Bay Area. And I got here and I own this little, uh, this little, you know, old house that I love so much and I just want to make it nice and I enjoy. I'm pretty handy. I can kind of watch videos on YouTube or look at stuff online and figure out how to do things pretty easily. So I always try to have uh, different projects in the, in the works and I just, I hate the fucking state. I'm not, I want to do things for myself. You know, what about living in the suburbs? Is that, is that weird for you? The audience can't see you, but you're bald headed and tatted up and your wife looks like she could be playing bass in a rock band. (laughs) So like, do you fit in? Do you find that the neighbors are like shun you? Does it matter? It doesn't matter to me at all. I care about my wife, my dogs, my future babies. And that's about it. But it has not been an issue at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the way I carry myself. I don't know if it's the fact that, that people are used to it nowadays and it's like not that big a deal to have neck and hand tattoos. And like when I lived in the Bay Area, everybody that everybody that's my age and young <laughs> and my color looked like me. So, um, but up here, I mean, people aren't quite as tattooed in Portland, but you know, I, uh, I think I'm just, I just try to be nice to people and talk kindly and I'm not doing, you know, weird, weird shit and people are i mean i've uh spent a tremendous amount of time in rural oregon in the last two years and i haven't noticed any people acting strange towards me at all that's great so uh when you say rural like how far are you from portland about three miles over the border oh so you're like close yeah Although it takes I, it takes me 14 minutes to get to the courthouse where all the riots are wow i although i hear that like Outside of Portland is basically Alabama. Is that right? Maybe like Nebraska. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> That's a little calmer, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a really beautiful, awesome state. I love, I love the Pacific Northwest and I really wish I could stay here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, the weather kind of sucks, but when it's nice here, when it, when it dries out and like May through, September here is like the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine. And um yeah, once you get out of Portland over the border, it's I yeah, probably 80% you 
you know, boomer Republican types, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Uh, Which I mean, many. the boomer Republican types are learning how to mind their own business. I, I, I yeah. don't have as big a problem with them as I used to. So <laughs> once they, once they've come around to like not wanting to John McCain, everybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They seem like, to be kind of all right. Really. Yeah. They're fine. Like, yeah. As long as they, like, I, I can't talk to them about politics or like mm-hmm. what, we need to do with the police, but, or the military, but you know, they're not coming to try to take my, my guns, even though they'll will like argue for the same laws that the NRA is trying to push. But um, yeah, I, I mind my own business. I'm kind to people. And as far as like people on the right go, I think that's good enough for most of them. Like the left would probably want to know what my policies are before they were able to like, be kind back to me, you know, and your neighbors don't, and your neighbors don't mind about the chickens. Neighbors on one side have chickens. Neighbors on the other side are some, uh, native American section eight people who don't give a shit. So that's, um, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, nobody, yeah, nobody said anything. So it's, uh, it's a nice, it's yeah. Like where I live is it's like a working class suburb, you know, it's changing and people from Portland, I think are going to start moving out here. And uh, we're kind of trying to make the decision of whether or not to get out while there's still a chance to make money. Our house is worth like a tremendous amount of money right now compared to what we bought it for. Mm. So I'm kind of trying to just like make it as appealing as possible to some lesbians that might want to move out here from Portland. And, uh, you know, maybe we're going to maybe sell it, maybe think about maybe selling it and sitting on some cash maybe turning some of it into crypto until the bubble bursts and then getting into some land or something like that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I could alternatively just try to convince Brian Norton to convert his, his farm into, you know, just a hippie commune where you can build cabins and just live up there. Yeah. How do you know those guys? Oh, Brian's been on the show. He's uh, actually Miguel Duque is my, is my life coach. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. I think Miguel was actually my first guest or first. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all those Squatch Fest guys—they're—they're—they're they're, they're the best. Uh, yeah, Miguel's really great. Yeah, I just—I I only know those guys from from uh, from Squatch Fest, but it was pretty pretty cool to meet everybody. And there's a pretty strong group of them up in up in Puget Sound, Seattle area. Yeah, actually, yeah, Miguel and I—we actually met through the LP. Okay. Which is which is odd because we're both we're both you know nominally agorists, but we <laughs> we met at the at the Libertarian Party convention. So. Yeah, what's your what's your uh, view? How do you feel about it right now? What's going on with it right now and this whole Mises takeover and all that stuff? Dude, I so I am sort of in the Pete Quinones point of view where like you're not going to be able to abolish politics, so you might as well have someone in the fray. Um, yeah. I'm glad that the Mises Caucus exists. Uh, I consider myself a fellow traveler. I donate to them. Um, yeah. But I tried uh, to get involved with like the Oregon Mises Caucus. I sent them a bunch of emails when Hornberger was primary and, you know, and they just never got back to me. So kind of lost interest. But um, yeah, it just seemed, it's kind of, I was thinking the other day, it's like the Mises, it sucks that you have to get like ANCAPs lumped in with libertarian, like the actual LP, you know, it seems like it's a whole different thing. I don't really even want to call myself a libertarian as long as there's people like Nick Sarwak and, Andy Craig in the mix, you know, or Archie flower, you know, (laughs) like, I just don't understand. Yeah. And then there's also the rent is theft types. The the ones who 
Look, I have your have your property norms. I don't I don't I'm not I'm not like in the in the natural law. You know, property is just, you know, that's that's how I don't think that Lockean private property would have just come about in every single possible situation. I think that property norms are just norms. So so yeah, I mean like if you if you want to if you want to have a socialist you know society where you're where you're not owning your own property that that fine by me it's not yeah but like but but that's not what the that's not what libertarianism is like <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know it's I, I don't like the I don't like the big tent philosophy I guess like I, I I'm much more into we can be different and that's okay and you don't have to be part of our group and we can still yeah. be friendly. In fact, you know, if you're not part of our group, we're more likely to be friendly because we won't have to fucking battle one another over disagreements as to where this group needs to go. Yeah. So. Well, do you think it would be better the whole uh, argument whether like Mises type minded people more the ANCAP people should run as as Republicans or do you think they should all run under the LP banner? Uh, that's a I think that in in blue states where there's not any chance that, you know, their governor is going to be a libertarian leaning Republican, then it's fine to run on the LP banner. But like, if you're going to be spoiling the election, then if it's going to be close, uh, like in like, like a Texas or a Florida or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, that, I think Eric Brakey makes the argument that like, look, if there had been a libertarian in the Florida governor race, then Ron DeSantis wouldn't have been the governor. And right whoever was the governor would not have reopened their state. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely that that's definitely a risk. So it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite in the, like all in on the, on that, you know, I, and it really, it really, really sucks that like politicians have that much influence over our lives now. Like, you know, prior to 2020, it didn't really matter who the governor was as far as I was concerned. You know, it's not like they were, it's not like they were mandating stuff that impacted my life. Uh, but now they do. And I hate that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it sucks. It's weird though. I stay at home and do a lot of stuff here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we would go out to, to eat dinner and stuff and I don't do that anymore. So that's like a bummer. I don't get to go to like comedy shows anymore. I don't know. It's just, uh, I really don't like being out in public anymore. It makes me pretty sad. So I tend to stay at home a lot and, you know, it kind of sucks. My wife does all the shopping for us and it's weird. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird to have to check the news to see what you're allowed to do that day. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right. Well, I got another interview coming up, so why don't we go ahead and wrap it up? Um, sure. Where can people find you? So yeah, my podcast is Deborah gets red pilled available. Any place you can find podcasts mostly and, uh, email us at Deborah gets red pilled at Proton Mail, and we're on Twitter. Deborah gets pilled, Instagram, all that stuff. You guys know how to use a web browser, so find us, listen to us. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot, Adam. All right, bye. Thanks again to Adam for joining me today, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blackbird. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up with your email address at blackbird.substack.com so you never miss an episode of the podcast or an article I write. And until next time, live free.